Good morning, party people. It is Wednesday, October the 6th. It is a armed, armed forces national holiday here in Egypt. And the time is 6.54 a.m. How y'all doing? So, I am right now working on when I'm get up and write in the morning I've kind of dealt with themes from a thematic standpoint so when I got here thematically it was just about discipline it was about telling myself that I have the ability to follow rules it was about telling myself that I can settle the rebellious part of me long enough to see if I can do what people ask me to do. And I'm realizing that maybe this isn't the right place to do that because everything here is A, hurry up and wait. People will literally, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if they know that they're lying to you because the the habitual way that they've been doing things is the way that they do it. And they've been doing it for so long and they've been forced to do it this way for so long. Like even in the children, Um, At an astronomical level, people will literally do something and then lie to your face that they didn't do it and will swear. Be like, I swear I didn't do it. So this may not be the place for that. So I'm having to erupt um, the rebel in me a little bit. Um, She'll probably be full fledged back to normal before I even get back to the States. Um. With that being said, um, the recent visit to the catacombs, um, I just posted the video. I didn't post it before, but if you go back through in the Facebook and look, there's a video where I'm actually going downstairs into the catacombs. And I actually mentioned something else about the stairs, uh, which is also a theme um, while I'm over here. But you go down this circular level of stairs it's like I don't know three or four levels but you can feel yourself going down into the earth and as I told y'all the place kind of called me so um I wanted to say that coming up out of there I literally felt like I was being reborn so it was kind of like the feeling I had when I pledged uh, Delta Sigma Theta and we did this one ceremony where we're like literally in the dark with candles and you come out of there and when the light hits you, if you're, I guess, grounded and connected with the experience, there's a rebirthing uh, aura that kind of surrounds you. This was the same way, but it was heavier because I knew that when I was at the museum in that room full of sarcophaguses, that something shifted in me that was very, very unnatural um, in the way of me being able to receive it. I could not receive 
that room. I could not receive in that room. I was not received in that room because it was very sterile. And I knew for sure that I was in a thieves temple. Whereas when I went into the catacombs, I was in the space where the thieves actually did the dirty deed so it was still it's still a very holy space it's just missing um the ritual of the bodies being in there but the spirit the essence the aura the energy um the frequency of the ancestors is very much in there so i just wanted to make that point out that it shifted me once again now I'm a, I'm still a G. I'm still the same. Not you know. I'm I'm different, but um, at a very physical level, I'm the same. I just no longer accept that this physical level is all that matters. And I've been that way, but I'm really that way now. Like it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter what you see. I inhabit, or I am the vessel that houses many mansions. Right. And those many mansions are the DNA of the ancestors that came before me. In my house are many mansions. That's what that is. And when I call on those mansions, they work for me. They work on my behalf. They operate on my behalf. So um, this is kind of a wrap-up week. Right now, my theme is money because I've kind of hit a roadblock. So what has happened is, before I left, it was recommended that I get an international account. So I have a cousin who is in El Salvador, so it was recommended, go ahead and get you a Charles, Charles Schwab account. And I did that. I got the account, um, got it set up. I was made to believe that, not through family, but made to believe through the Charles Schwab account that I would be able to operate financially over here in Egypt. Well, I've gotten over here in Egypt and I can't operate through my Charles Schwab account at all. Um, Not only that, Charles Schwab is going through some kind of like volatile financial situation. So now not only can I not operate from over here, it's been closed off. So I literally, um, (laughs) even if I open up an account here, you know how, like, when you open up an account and you try to connect it to another account and they put, um, they'll say, we'll, we're going to send you 30 cents so that you can validate, blah, 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 blah. Well, I can't do that from over here because there's a firewall between my Charles Schwab account and any account that I open here um, in Egypt. Now, there is one other place that I'm going to check out on Thursday. <laughs> But for the most part, I have a check made out to me in American dollars that right now I cannot deposit into an account here and send it into my Charles Schwab account. So um, I'm not panicked, though. The beautiful part is I can survive over here in Egypt because my paycheck is split. 30% is paid in U.S. dollars. The other 70% is paid in Egyptian money. So as far as Egyptian goes, I'm fine right now. Now, the bank that my school operates through is shit. They're shit. That's the bank that 
uh, I was going through that has all the like $15,000 limits and blah, 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 blah. So it was recommended that I get an HSB. Is it HSBC? I think it's HSBC account. All right. So HSBC, I'm going to go there Thursday. But right now, as it stands, HSBC um, operates in Egypt, but they're closing their U.S. Their, their United States accounts so I'm not sure if I'll be able to open up an HSBC account and siphon my U.S. money back home well Kamika why are you trying to siphon your U.S. money back home because I still had some accounts like um, my last ambit I think it was my ambit account needs to be paid off my AT&T phone account needs to be paid on and I promised my mother that that would be taken care of. So now I am in prayer with the ancestors, in consultation, in counsel, that the answer not only is in me, but it's coming to me. Um, I'm in an expats group of black women in Egypt over here. So I sent them a question this morning asking, you know, if anybody can help me figure out where I can open up an account and deposit this money and get it. And I don't even know if I'll be able to get it to to the U.S. But even if I can just deposit it and let it sit, I can, once I get back to the United States, I can connect. (laughs) I absolutely know I can connect my credit union account with that account because my credit union account I was able to connect it with my USBC USBC I was able to connect it with my Charles Schwab account before I left but that was before I had to get over here and change out the sim card in my phone that that see this this phone the technology is the big thing because my phone is the connector but I also need to be either in a U.S. territory or on U.S. territory. So the closest U.S. territory is UAE, which is like Dubai. That was the last place I was with my original SIM card where I was still able to communicate and function without any issues. But once I got over here, I had to change my SIM card out so that I could function um, through my job and as a citizen here in Egypt. But what I'm learning is that because Egypt, let me tell y'all some, Africa, there are, there are certain parts in Africa that are fighting for their liberation from U.S. and British control. If you know anything about, and I don't, y'all, like I don't know anything about U.S. history. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning so much right now that it's blowing my fucking mind. But Egypt is one of those spaces that is trying, I don't know if they're trying to get the Brits out of their business, but they're definitely like trying not to fuck with the United States anymore because the United States is robbing them blind, has been robbing them blind. So they are unitarily through their banking system and through other systems that they have here, trying to liberate themselves from those kind of uh, infiltrations. And I get it, and I'm proud of them for doing that. However, (laughs) American me, um, just trying to come over here and teach and have a different experience and be a global citizen, 
and uh spend my 50th birthday here <laughs> i need i need a i need one little loophole to open up i just need that loophole to open up so that i can uh function and get those bills paid without my family having to incur that now my family doesn't mind so i'm not asking y'all for money what i'm doing right now is just letting y'all know where i am and for those of you who are interested in traveling and living in other spaces hopefully giving you some insight on what you need to take care of before you leave here so what i did not do was really make sure that i could fully function but i didn't know to do that like i knew if you open up a Charles Schwab, Charles Schwab is supposed to be international. Charles Schwab is supposed to take care of you. There was no information online that said Charles Schwab ain't fucking with Egypt. Or there was nothing online that said Egypt ain't fucking with Charles Schwab. I had to cross that threshold. There's just certain. Okay, so for like, let me give you an example. Right now, Haile Garama's Sankofa movie is on Netflix. I am on a Netflix account. I was really excited about seeing the movie. So when it released through Ava DuVernay's Array on September the 24th, I was really excited. So on September, September the 26th, I sit down, pull out my computer, get ready to watch Sankofa. And I can't. It's nowhere. I can't find it. I'm searching. Can't find it. Call the person whose account I'm on and say, hey. Can you pull up Sankofa? Because I can't pull it up. They pulling it up fine. I said, well, can you attach it to my account? Can you put it in my list so that I can watch it? They put it in my list. Can't get to it. Get online, start searching. It's not available in Egypt. It's only You can only watch Sankofa in the United States, in Canada, in New Zealand, and I think like the Netherlands. That's the only place you can watch it. If I was in China, I couldn't watch it. If I was in Ghana, I can't watch it. Um, oh, you know what? It didn't... Yeah. I, I don't think it's available anywhere in Africa. So, some there are certain things that you have to cross over into the other world to get the information. So, the beautiful thing is I'm not feeling... Um, I don't feel any way about it. I don't feel any guilt or shame or anything like that because, A, it's something beyond my control. And the serenity prayer says, I don't worry about things that are beyond my control. If I can't control it, there is no reason to worry about it. So I am just in deep um, counsel with my relationship with money, past, present, and future, I'm in deep counsel with the ancestors and I'm in deep counsel with this land that we are in agreement that I deserve the loophole, that I should not be held accountable for not being able to figure this out. So that's part of what's going on. Another thing that's going on is um, I get the apartment to myself for the next four or five days. Um, Shari is going to Hagurta to sit on the beach and enjoy herself, which is what she does. That's her purpose. Um, and I was going with her, um, but I backed out, um, on various levels. 
One was because I need to make the sacrifice to finish some written work that I have going on. And I'm realizing that people are starting to realize who I am in terms of, no, she's a writer. She's a writer. Like, no, that's what she does. And she has some things going on that um, are important to her and that are worth way more than kind of exploring Egypt. I I believe that I'm only going to experience what is meant for me here. And that means when I feel comfortable and I am open and I have done what I needed to do, when I can walk away from my work and go visit a place, that's what I do. But if I think about my work, which is what's going to sustain me when I get back to the States, when I think about my work and there's something that I need to do, I cannot go and visit. I cannot go far. I cannot get on a plane and go to places like Hagurta or whatever, get on a train or ship or whatever. I can't because I can't rest. And I know some people like, just take your computer with you. That's not how this works. (laughs) I need my computer to be stable in one place so that if anything goes wrong, I am not flooded with the guilt of carrying her everywhere she does have security software on her but she's an hp she's you know she's american made and i don't you know there are moments when she's just like girl give me some time you know you bought me a couple of years ago and you know i'm having to go through a lot to just make sure that nothing gets lost in case she decides Egypt just ain't her thing so I'm really excited y'all because I need the you know what's funny is I spend time in my room by myself so I don't even really put myself in the apartment we have a shared living space but eh I don't I like my room it's a pretty spacious high ceilinged great window view space and I'm able to really function in here, like really, really function. So outside of eating at the table and cooking my food, I don't really go into the apartment anyway. But there's something about knowing that there's somebody else here. There's something else. There's something about hearing a door open. There's something about um, hearing, smelling food being cooked when I know I'm not eating it um, or that I'm not cooking it. It's just something about being alone that I really cherish and it may be because I've been in that space all of my life you know I grew up in a house where I just had two brothers and they had to share everything um and I had to share nothing and because my mother limited my exposure to other children When I was in a sharing mood, I was able to share and share fully. But for the most part, I played by myself. Um, For the most part, I made decisions by myself. For the most part, I was responsible for my environment by myself. I had to clean up my room by myself. My brothers were never made to come and help me do nothing. So I'm a loner, Dottie. I keep saying that. That's my Pee Wee Herman line. I'm a loner, Dottie. Um, And I'm having to reconcile myself with... Um, how I move in this world as a as a as a one body, and open myself up a little bit more 
in my purpose. That doesn't mean I'm going to come back and party with a bunch of y'all because that's not going to happen. But I'm having to learn how to open myself up to opportunities, open myself up to people, open myself up to situations and conditions that are good for me and my purpose. Because I'm not good at that. I'm very good at closing myself off. As long as I have a good book, I'm good, y'all. Give me a couple of crossword puzzles and a good book. You don't have to worry about me. I'm not problematic in that way. As a matter of fact, many people want me to be social because they dig the energy that I have. It's decent. (laughs) It's getting better. But people like being around me. And I like knowing that people like being around me. But I can no longer just be around people for the sake of being around people. And being in Egypt in this room is only further solidifying that. So I'm, you know, focusing on opening myself up in my purpose more and and being purposeful um, with the people who I need to be purposeful with. So I'm excited. The other reason I'm not going with Shari is because when we came up on them kids, on them donkeys for the second time, and I told her, keep your mouth shut. Don't say nothing. Don't look at them. She did everything I told her not to do. So I am now red lighting Shari. Um, I have to be careful around her um, because she does not have the instinct to take care of herself in a dangerous situation. And um, I just have too much Oak Cliff in me. Um, I just have it, y'all. And I I will, I, I have to be careful because... You know, I'm all about peace. I'm all about serenity. I'm all about, you know, the ohm. But it's only so much a person is going to take before these hands and these teeth get activated. And I believe in that. I don't, ancient Egyptians. They too were warriors. You got to fight your way sometimes through life in order to get the respect and um, redemption that you deserve. And I'm not going to be playing around with a white woman to get mine. Like, that's not what I'm here for (laughs) at all. So um, in her um, walk of not having anything real um, that grounds her for being here I have to limit my exposure now I will tell you this today Jinx and Nazreen and I are going to go on an adventure Nazreen um, is a department head here she is an expat not an expat she's also new here she comes out of I think Morocco y'all but she has a daughter and um, she speaks Arabic Jinx, this is his second year here. Jinx is very laid back. I like Jinx's energy now. Now now that I can like determine who from who, I really like Jinx's energy. Jinx is a loner too. There are moments where, you know, we'll be going on our little walks and Jinx will be coming back from his because Jinx will get on these buses and pack himself in and practice his Arabic. So that's what he was like suggesting to me. He was like, well, since you'll be here, why don't we get on one of these little buses pay our little three pounds and see if we can get to the opera 
So I was like, I'm down because as long as I'm, I come back here tonight and I have tomorrow to try to figure out this banking situation and I have the next couple of days by myself to write, to reason, to um, explore, I'm good. Not only that, Sharif, who was the excellent excellent tour guide that we had when we went to the catacombs and to the citadel um gave me his card so he was like whenever you're ready to do anything let me know because a big part of my um apprehension about being here is that i'm learning that nobody looks like me nobody else here is from the united states in my immediate surroundings so as much as Shari can go get in an Uber by herself and go wherever and be carefree and not be concerned about her motherfucking life, I am different. I am a brown girl. I am beautiful. I um, have something going for me. I have family and I have purpose. So I can't reconcile myself right now with just getting in an Uber now. Um, I've heard a couple of horror stories. I personally haven't had any. But I've also had experiences where I feel like people see me, judge me based on what they see, and decide how they want to treat me. And I have to be careful. So knowing that I have Sharif now feels very good because now I can make some plans and I can move um, and, and, and move in a situation where the people know that they have to take care of me. So, with that being said, I'm in a good space. I still have, (laughs) what month is this, October? We got November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. I got eight months. So, at this particular point, the baby has come. Like, the (laughs) the baby is due. Like, I've been here long enough to impregnate myself with ideas, thoughts, concepts, uh, scenarios, Um, New thoughts, concepts, new dreams, new variations of those dreams. Um, So now we we carry in this. We end this thing. And I'm really excited. Um, To all the Libras, welcome to Mercury in Retrograde during your season. Y'all can't make decisions. And maybe now you can really make them. You either can really make decisions right now or you really, really, really can't make decisions right now. Either way, I'm glad Mercury in Retrograde is happening during your time and it won't be happening during my time as a Scorpio um so happy birthday all you Libras out there happy 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 birthday um it was picture day this week at school and I noticed that a lot of the girls straightened their hair and of course y'all know I was like Lord Jesus these beautiful Egyptian girls taking the waves out of their hair have no idea have no idea that straight is not the way but they were really excited and I let them be excited. I'm not here to disrupt the harmony of colonialism in some of these people. I will disrupt it when it's a natural disruption. But that happened. Um, and you know, the Bible says a woman's crown is her glory, blah, 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 blah. Um, I was really happy to know that back in America, the young girls, when it's picture day, they become savages about the hair. They put color in it. It gets wild. They throw it out. 
they braid it up um, or the straightness is elaborate. They're now paying top dollar to have, you know, this uh, fully human hair in their heads. But it's it's decorative. It's not just let me look like I've been tamed down. Now, a couple of years ago, you know, I come up in the taming down era. You know, there was a moment where everybody had a perm. You either had a perm or a curl. That was it. And either way, you were still trying to exude this idea that you fit into society. And now black girls, brown girls, we just not doing that. And I love that idea. You know, where I teach y'all, all the kids are the same color. They're as close to the same color as it's going to get. It's very few brown, brown, brown people. Like, there's this one girl, Saud. She was like, you can call me Sue if you can't pronounce my name. I was like, no, I'm going to get your name. I just need you to keep correcting me when I get it wrong. And I told her, you deserve to have your name called. Don't let people out. Don't give them Sue. And Sue? Y'all look, if y'all saw her. You'd be like, child, you are anything other than a Sue. So I had to have that conversation with her because I would find her staring at me when I would come out of my classroom. She kept staring at me. And then she would, when I would get my intensive students, I normally have to walk in and tell my students to, you know, y'all come on. Well, she would be waiting for me at the door and like, ma'am, which students do you have? So I would tell her which students she would go in. So I'm now realizing that this girl is being drawn to me in some way and I know what it is it's the brown it's the brown because she's a brown girl she's not she's not I can't explain her brown but it's an it's like a Ethiopian brown it's a and maybe it's the hair texture I don't know but she her brown how can I explain this it's so funny to me because I see it I just don't have words for it but her brown is it's just like an Ethiopian brown. I can't explain it y'all, but when you when you're when you're fully brown skinned, when you know you will not pass the paper bag test in America, like I wouldn't pass it. She wouldn't pass it either. But it's two different browns. And hers is really really exquisite. This little girl has the most exquisite brown skin I've seen in a long time. But anyway, her name is Saud. Sued. Saud. <laughs> I can't say it. I, I, I'll check with her next week. But anyway, um, we have made a connection and she's drawn to me and I'm allowing her to be drawn to me because... All these other kids, they're the color of sand. And that is, I'm not separating that. I'm just saying there's an effort. There's something going on behind closed doors that is ensuring that there aren't a lot of brown kids here. Now, why do I say that? Because I'm at a private school. And people, the rumor is people pay cash for their kids to attend here. So, I don't know. But when kids get picked up in the evenings... I do see people my skin color. I see women. I don't know if they're nannies. I don't know if they're mothers. But I do see brown-skinned women picking up children here. Is it a lot of them? No. I can count them on my hands and toes. I can actually just count them on my hands. So there is still a colorism in Egypt that exists. And it exists in the environment that I go into every day. 
but for the most part, I'm still in awe of just watching these kids and looking at them and having my own racial identity deconstructed and my own racial acknowledgement deconstructed and my own racial um, ideals deconstructed. I love that more than anything, because when I get back to America, I already know. I already know what does matter and what doesn't matter. And it's my job to make what doesn't matter understand that it matters. Black lives. So um, that was another observation I had this week. Um, the kids are doing well. Um, I'm, I'm implementing faith in them. They had a test one day and they were like, Miss, we got a test after this class. Can we please review? And unfortunately, I was like, no, we can't review because y'all already have this. We've had the lesson. Have faith in the knowledge that you have. Have faith in the knowledge that you have. If you come to class and you pay attention and you do your homework and you study, you don't have to review. And I told them sometimes you can overstudy. And what you're not going to do is take me off of my task because there are things that I have to do every day. And if I don't do them every day, I get put behind. And it's crazy the stuff that I have to do every day. Sometimes I have to go over like eight pages in one class with a bunch of kids who can't even pay attention. With kids who constantly, constantly have their hands up asking questions. And sometimes the questions are so off task that all I can do is start tap dancing in front of them. For real. Like, I'll start doing the WAP. Whatever it is, whatever it takes. And then I'll stop and say, you're off task. And then I have to get back because I have to have my own way of tolerating, my own way of dealing with, my own <laughs> my own way of just getting through, y'all. Getting through, but it's gravy. Uh, it was teacher appreciation uh, day on yesterday. And once again, these people love they sweets, y'all. Ooh! And I, oh God, it was just decadence. The whole layout was just decadence, 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 decadence. It ain't no Snickers and Reese's peanut butter cups and Twixes. Baby, it's uh, Ross, whatever. It's decadent chocolate. I'm going to bring some back. Hopefully it won't melt in my suitcase, but... They love their chocolates and they had the audacity to serve all of these sweets and goods and not have any water, no water around. So Ayana Cabrera, I hear you. Yeah, I can brush my teeth, but I also need something to wash this stuff down. It's too much. And one of my Asian students who is now Arabic, I guess, well, not Arabic, but Muslim. I think he's he's going his mother. I don't know. But I don't know. But he wants me to call him. Ahmed and I refuse his name is Mr. Lee his last name is L.I. that's how I separate him from everybody else it's Mr. Lee but he's a very mature boy I love him he's very 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 mature um his he his mother bought me like a bag of thick chocolates and the funny thing about these kids is if they made if they homemade something and they came to you and was like opening it up and it was like Mr. would you like a piece of cake would you like <laughs> Uh, a donut y'all yesterday one of my sweetest kids gave me a donut because I could you can't I don't want to refuse the kids y'all you don't want to refuse the kids because it's teacher appreciation and they they're going out of their way 
a card would be nice for me. I would just take a card. But this girl bought a donut that had, it was the frost it wasn't even a fr- the frosting on it it was hard so it might have been a fun fund it fund it whatever they do on the baking shows but it was thick and it was red and it was shaped like a heart and it almost it was a donut but it almost had like a croissant croissant <laughs> it almost had like a croissant texture to it and in the middle was the richest jelly red jelly i have ever tasted it was you could taste the strawberries in this red jelly it wasn't a jam or maybe it was a jam and not a jelly i don't know but whatever it was it came straight from the strawberry so when i tell y'all the decadence here is real you will fuck around and become a diabetic if you fall prey to how they eat sweets here so i'm biting into this donut and this student is looking at me with this smile on her face as she watches me enjoy and hard swallow (laughs) this donut so the kids wait for you to eat like if they if they've made it and it's available to you right there so like the chocolates are in a bag so i'm like dude let me get home and and enjoy these and i'll tell you about them later but if it's something you can eat right there in front of them they wait they wait and go yes miss they don't just give it to you and walk away they wait so yesterday i had the donut which i ate most of it and then i luckily the bell rang and class was over so i was able to tell her i got to get to my next class and i went to the teacher's lounge and that last little piece which could have fit in the palm of my little bitty 12 year old boy hands i had to throw it away because i didn't even have no water y'all i didn't have any water my water i had drank the water bottle the bottle of water i had and it was listen oh yeah that was yesterday so it was it was it was around 11 o'clock but this morning, 9.30 hadn't even hit, and I had had two pieces of cake. The actual spread did not happen until 10.30. So kids are walking around with their baked goods, walking up to teachers. Would you like a piece of cake? <laughs> so, yeah. So now I have like a slight breakout on my face and it's okay. It was worth it. It was worth it to make the kids happy to take that for, take that for the team. Um, and I'm good now. I am back on my like, no, no, no more, especially as an adult. Like I don't take them from the adults. Um, when they give them to me, I bring them home, put them in the fridge and they'll stay there until it's time for me to come home. I mean, to yeah, they'll stay there until it's time for me to return to the States. Um, but I'm on my rice and vegetables, y'all. I'm just on rice and vegetables. It feels good. It tastes good. I'm able to play around with different um, combinations of what I buy. Um, I eat bananas in the morning, apples in the morning. I don't really do breakfast. So I drink hibiscus tea or lime ginger tea in the morning after I drink my water. And things are starting to even out for me. So um, I'm not over here starving. 
Um, but I'm definitely not putting anything into my body that doesn't belong there. And, I, I, you know, I told y'all earlier, I don't eat to get full anymore. I just eat to know that I ate and I'm satisfied. Like, um, these servings that we're giving ourselves over in the States are only making us uh, more problematic as we get older. It's making our bodies problematic. We can't concentrate. We can't focus. We lack energy. And then we want to go and try to work out and do something and not change what we're putting into our bodies. And I'm here, I was saying it before I left, but I'm here as a living witness to being out of the country that it matters. It really does matters. Matters. It really does matter. Um, what else? Good things are in the works. Um, I'm really a I'm really glad that I'm able to write and good ideas are coming. Um, uh, I'm excited about this little break we're about to get. I thought school was going to close down because COVID rates um, have increased here. As a matter of fact, uh, it's hit a couple of the adults here. Um, but we've also had a French teacher quit. Um, but I ain't, I'm not mad at her either. Let me tell y'all something. When I was at Lancaster, the year that I taught theater, we had two three new did it was the all the english teachers new yeah they had replaced all the english teachers because i left mercy left lewis left yeah we were all gone so we had some new english teachers and one of them she was a mother of like four i don't even understand maybe five i don't even understand how she I don't understand what her situation was with her and her husband that she thought she could put herself in a classroom (laughs) because she was still breastfeeding. Like she still had like a newborn somewhere. When I was at Lancaster, she put her two weeks in and quit. But the week that she quit, like two of them quit. One of them, I think he just didn't. He just never came back. So I, as a educator who has worked in difficult environments it's either the children are difficult or the system is difficult or both a lot of times people frown upon the adult for walking away in an attempt to preserve their sanity they frown on them because they say well they abandoned the kids they're not our kids y'all they're the education systems children so I learned before I left here not to frown upon adults who decide this ain't for me and they cannot be concerned about the children you brought into the world and inserted into the system it's a system y'all and nobody here is obligated to put their body in the way of systematic bullets aimed at your children. It's a lot. And here, we running neck and neck with what I experienced in Lancaster. The only difference is I applaud Lancaster for allowing black women to be a part of the decision-making process of how the system is run. Because I wholeheartedly believe black women should be running the education systems in America. 
Well, Kamika, that's racist. So, so is America. Black women are wholeheartedly invested in how children can learn. And black women are able to put black men in the positions where they can teach children. They're totally capable. They're totally capable. But white women run the American education system. White, closeted, conservative women. And they have no idea how to teach children that do not look like them or children who do not believe in the way that they force them to believe. But we're all forcing our kids to do and say in order to survive. So that's my take. I'm not coming back to America thankful that I am American. I'm not coming back to America saying it's better than any other place I've been because I ain't been nowhere but here in Giza and it's the ghetto. What I am realizing is that I never grew up poor. I never grew up without. Even though I grew up marginalized, even though I grew up in a racist environment, because black people, we had, you know, I grew up in a time where, you know, we had our own neighborhoods. We had our own little stores. We had our own way of doing things. But it was because we were marginalized into those spaces. So I dreamed of, of things like having braces on teeth that were already straight. <laughs> I dreamed of going to a private school like my cousin Sonia did. Those were things that I felt like I was not, um, I didn't have access to. Because my mother was very good about saying we didn't have the money. We don't have the money to do that. And my mother was very good at making things happen beyond her will to make them happen because she had kids who wanted certain things. So we grew up thinking that we're poor because, A, we don't have a father in the house. B, we can't just have the things we want just because we want them. We think that's privilege. And it's really not. I know what it's like to have running water. I know what it's like to have a toilet that works. I know what it's like to um, have teachers who, if I'm walking to school in the rain, they would pick me up and make sure I got to school safe. And I'm realizing that in my sense of poverty that all that time there were children in Dallas, Texas who were way more impoverished than me that's what Egypt is making me realize is that poverty is like functioning and these people walk around here like it is what it is You can help me or you don't have to help me. Either way, I'm going to be here. And I'm surviving this and I will survive it. So I don't look at it the same way. We are all playing our part. And until we all come together to get rid of the problems that oppress us, then it's going to be what it's going to be. And you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to... um, You don't have to lose sleep. It's the condition of the way of our decisions as a whole. 
So, Kamika, are you saying that as a whole, we're all choosing to have people who are poor? Yep. I am. I really am. And until we all get it in our heads that nobody has to be poor, that everybody can be afforded health care for free, then it's going to be what it's going to be. And I do not have any obligation other than getting with the collective to overturn it. But by myself, I can't do it. So I'm not going to worry about it. By myself, I cannot do it, so I will not worry about it. It is not a problem I created by myself. We are dealing with conditions. And right now, we depend on a voting system to reconcile these things. So I vote. I vote. I protest when I can. I do private funding to situations when I can. But at the end of the day, I'm talking about a global movement because it's not just in the United States. It's worldwide underground poverty, worldwide. But when you come to these places, some of them, you see the deterioration but it is not in the heart of the people who live there and that's the beautiful thing is that you have people who are growing up in if you don't tell them that's poverty they don't even realize it's poverty which is a whole nother aspect of point of view that I'm gaining what if we never told them they were poor what if we never sent them bags of rice what if we allowed them to grow their own food what if we allowed them to keep their their cows and their oxen what if we allowed them to utilize their own medicinal medicine women and shamans what if we allowed people to ex- just exist and quit making them feel like they got to be in a bed making them feel like they got to be in a house that has four walls making them feel like they have to have those things so anyway Child, it's early in the morning. I'm sure I done woke Shari up because I'm talking loud. I don't care. (laughs) So I want to thank y'all for listening to this particular podcast because I had no idea what I was going to talk about. It's so much going on, but so little. Um, I'm looking forward to my outing today with Nasreen and Jinx. And I'm looking forward to getting back uh, to the room so that I can move forward. Um, If you want to pray for my financial situation, please do. I've already gotten a response back from one of the expats. So it's being worked out. God is working it out. My ancestors are working it out. And I'm really thankful for that. Oh, let me tell you all another thing. Shit, I'm manifesting up in this bitch. So about five days ago. Okay, so I've been, I get up every day and I write. And at the end of each of my writings, I call out the ancestors. And about five days ago, what was happening was I was just calling out ancestors. And what I realized is that when I would call out certain ancestors who I knew personally, I would, I would feel a certain way. I would get just a little twinge of that doesn't feel good. So for instance, like my, my, my maternal grandfather Um, He was a good man, but he didn't know how to be 
nice. Like he was one of those people who used his sense of humor to be mean to people. Um, and he would say things that were hurtful. And sometimes he didn't care if he was being hurtful. Other times he was the, well, I didn't mean it. You don't have to be so sensitive kind of man. Um, on my paternal side, I had an instinctive nature about my grandmother and colorism. So whenever I would write their names in my journal, I would, I would, I would deal, a part of me would deal with how they made me feel while they were here on earth. So I do realize that I'm having some forgiveness issues. So anyway, long story short, I, I've removed them temporarily from calling on them until I can reconcile myself with whatever is happening when I do call on them. The pain body. It activates my pain body. So I added my Aunt Louise Van Zandt. Now, my Aunt Louise Van Zandt is not my real aunt. She's a cousin. But there was a moment in my life where her and my mother had reconnected. And we were going over there. And my Aunt Louise was giving me clothes. And she would give me hugs. And she would give me food. And her husband, I don't remember his name. I want to call him Sonny. But I don't think that was his name. Anyway, my aunt, I even spent the night with my Aunt Louise. Like, over in Oak Cliff. Like, I didn't even know this woman. But I loved her energy. And I loved the fact that she was drawn to me. And I was willing in my nine-year-old body, eight-year-old body. No, I wasn't eight. I was somewhere between nine and 11 when I spent the night with Aunt Louise. But anyway, I added her to my list about five or four days ago. And... Yesterday morning, I woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was like, what's going on? So I sat up, and something told me to pull up my phone. So I get my phone, and I open Facebook, and Marquita Van Zant is wishing Aunt Louise a happy birthday, and she posted her picture. And when I tell y'all, everything went through me. Everything went through me. Um, I'm getting emotional now because... Aunt Louise really did love me. We didn't know each other for very long. And there was a moment in my life. That was a brief moment in my life where I was being exposed to her. So that was confirmation for me. That was confirmation for me. And it's a lot of stuff like that happening that we, you know, y'all would call coincidence. But now I'm like, no, it's the energy. It's the energy. It's the vibration. It's the frequency at which I'm now like vibrating that I'm now like excelling at so I want to give a shout out to my Aunt Louise in heaven um whose earthly um influence is with me and I'm thankful for that because I had even I had kind of forgotten about her you know I just kind of like forgotten but being over here and being able to be in a more spiritual uh place to practice my what I believe is allowing me to remember it is allowing me to rejoin myself with the things that really really made me feel good at all times without question and and she was one of them um I am now um working on reconciling myself with the DNA that doesn't make me feel good or the DNA that I'm still holding on to the pain body of so I am in um forgiveness mode with my grandmother who did apologize to me on her deathbed and said she never meant to make me feel like I was anything other than a granddaughter that she loved. That is what she said to me. So she has forgiven herself 
And that's all that matters at the end of the day. But I want to be able to forgive her and hold on to the goodness. I do have letters that my grandmother wrote me. I do remember my grandmother and my Papa John coming to one of my book signings at Barnes and Nobles, which was everything to me in that moment. So I hold on to that. I'm holding on to moments where I was able to go sit with her because she used to sit in her living room in the dark and watch TV. And I never understood that. Like, like, but it was probably a light bill situation because she was very financially um, aware. You know, she didn't like losing money she didn't like wasting money um but I remember you know when I got older you know going and seeing my grandparents on my own and sitting with her and we would sit in silence that's what's funny about that whole thing we would sit and she would ask me a few questions here and there very much like my father who knows that I am from his loins but sometimes the conversation like we I have to kind of I have to kind of like moderate the conversations between me and my father. Otherwise, he doesn't know how to ask me questions. He doesn't know how to be concerned um, outside of his own scorpionic ways. And Scorpios live in their heads. So my dad is in his 70s and I'm not going to tell him, Daddy, you don't know how to ask me questions. I have to tell him what I want him to know. Right. My grandfather on my mother's side, he used to say I changed colors. And he would say it in a way that I never knew how to read it. So I took it personal. He was never really mean to me, but he was never very attentive to me. Um, Some of my older cousins had a bigger relationship with him than I had because he passed when I was nine. So I remember him between the ages of six and nine. I distinctly remember my grandfather he was also the man that gave me some coffee one morning uh before I went to school because I begged him for it and I ended up throwing up at Jan Irvin and being sent home (laughs) because he had given me some coffee y'all and I remember sitting at that desk and my hands and my whole body was shaking so bad and I didn't know what was going on and I threw up and when we got home that night, he had just, he had just, it was when he had first been diagnosed with cancer and we moved him to Dallas and he was living with us on Morning View. So anyway, that's him. Um, so I'm just trying to hold on to the good memories and extrapolate the bad things from that. And I feel like I'll be healed uh, by Christmas because I'm really focusing on it. Anyway, that's it. Be good, be good, be good, be God. Y'all have a great day. Peace.